And not that I want to kill anybody else's buzz, but this is not an adult holiday. New Year's Eve, for instance, is for adults. That is an adult holiday. Halloween is not an adult holiday. Way to go. You're a bad guy. You're a buzzkill. We're just having fun. You are. Halloween is for kids. Young kids. It's not your holiday. It's an us-against-them deal. Them are people who wear costumes. Us, the rest of the world. Adults. What's even more offensive in a way? Teenagers. Teenagers who put on a baseball cap and then say that's their costume. Teenagers who put on a baseball cap and then grab a hefty bag. Yo, trick or treat. Yo, yo, playa. If you need food for when you get high, go to the market. You're too old to trick or treat. Yo, stoner. You work at Taco Bell. You get a paycheck. Use your money and buy candy. Stop going around the neighborhood with a baseball cap on and trick-or-treating. You're not trick-or-treating. You're a stoner. That's offensive to me. Do whatever you stoners do, but don't trick-or-treat. You're not welcome here. Trick-or-treater, I'm taking an east into your mailbox. You beat it, man. Get out of here, stoner. What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? Stone's Weekly Dose. Because I'm kind of an idiot. I'm a dumb guy. Brian, you don't have to keep trying so hard to impress me. I already really like you. Your midweek download destination. I told you about Brian. I told you. Come on, man. Brian was just making a joke. I'm so lucky to have met you, Brian. You're such an amazing guy. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. And note to self, don't be an adult and dress up like... A clown, and... All right, all right, I'm sorry! I'm sorry! I couldn't help it! I couldn't help it! I love hating on Halloween! It is one of my favorite things to do. Because I truly, deeply think it's pretty uh, childlike. Just like Jim Rome on the front end did. But everybody disagrees. Why is that? And I don't really mean it that much, except that I do. <laughs> um, I don't think I have dressed up for Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, since I was about 12 years old, with one exception. One exception. And I wasn't even planning on going down this road. And I'll give you the other exception that I almost did. And... It would have been like 96, 97. We weren't even 18 yet. Buddy of mine had a uh, Volkswagen bus. Really nice bus, too. We just destroyed it, driving it around in woods and camping parties and house parties every week, and it just got destroyed. But we dressed up as beer delivery men. And I hate to say it because I've been a Miller Coors guy for my entire adult life, but I think we had Budweiser gear on that we found at a thrift store or something. I can't remember exactly. Anybody who I went to high school with who listens to this regularly, you guessed it. It's Zach Behrman. But that was the last time we did or I did any kind of um, costume for, uh, for Halloween. Now, what I normally do for Halloween is which is not much at all, and it's not even on a consistent year-to-year basis. But if I do go to a party or I do go to any kind of gathering that's somewhat celebrating 
Halloween. Sometimes I'll just wear something dumb off the wall that I won't normally wear, like a dumb-looking hat or, uh, I don't know, a dumb-looking jacket. But, I mean, this day and age where where fashion is, wearing something off the wall and dumb-looking isn't all that uh, out of the ordinary. So, So I guess in the end, I don't really do much of anything. But the last time, the last time that I decided to... That, that if I wasn't going to do this for Halloween, then it's clear that I'm never going to do anything for Halloween. Sorry, I wasn't even planning on going this route as I open up the show, but uh, I'll get things on track here in a minute. So in 2008, so it's the, it's the fall of 08, we're going into the election, McCain v. Obama, right? And John McCain made the, the poor, poor, poor decision to have uh, Sarah... Uh, uh, Sarah Palin as his running mate because his party uh, convinced him that that was going to somehow work for him. And I, I had some friends that were girl girlfriends that were like, listen, I had real long hair then and I was still pretty thin. Now, I'm not the biggest guy in the world, but I'm not nearly as thin as I used to be. And one of, one of my fr- girlfriends said, hey, I've got this dress. It looks just like that. We could... We could cut your hair just a little bit. We could put some glasses on you, and you would look exactly like Sarah Palin, and it would be hilarious because it was topical, and it was not. Uh, it, there, there wasn't a social media and Pinterest yet. I mean, there was social media, but n- just nothing like it is now. And I thought, oh my god, that's such a great idea! Oh damn it, is that a great idea? Get some heels, get the red dress. I mean. All Tina Fey, right? Except Tina Fey is a female who kind of looks like her. The guy who would be the total opposite of everything that would come out of the GOP side and certainly Sarah Palin's ideological stance, wearing her clothes, her makeup, and hanging out at a Halloween party. I thought about that for, I don't know, I'm making up a time frame now, maybe about a day and a half. I'm not sure. And I eventually axed the idea and said, first of all, if I really want to do this, we got to cut bangs on me, and I'm not doing that. And uh, I didn't do it. And if I didn't do that, I'm never going to dress up as an adult for Halloween because just like Jim Rome says from Southern California on the front end of the show, Halloween is for children. Now, if you want to celebrate it with your children, that's fine. You go right ahead and do that. That's totally cool. I got no problem with that. And if you want to celebrate it as an adult, I'm not mad at you either. I'm going to make fun. I'm going to poke all kinds of fun. And I'm going to make jokes. But they're all in good nature. And they're all in good fun. But I do think it's ridiculous for uh, adults to spend a lot of time on this. And, um, yeah, I missed my one opportunity. I missed my one chance at an incredible Halloween joke. Because if you're at a Halloween party, whether it's a... Uh, an establishment out and about where you're doing contests or whatever, or you're at a house party. And I know some people that do these things really well. Um, if the, the best opportunity for you to find out where the numb nuts are, the best opportunity to find out where the simpletons are is to look around at what everybody's wearing for Halloween. And the lack of imagination, the lack of creativity, and the unique lists uh, a, approach that most people have will expose the dullards and the numbnuts just like that. And that is the one thing I actually like about Halloween is to find out who the dummies 
are. Welcome into the supposed for-profit venture known as the Stone on Air podcast. This is Halloween day, night, afternoon, overall download. You can download it in 50 years from now if you want, but it is available on Halloween itself. And this is a little different show because I have very uh, little <laughs> plans here. I uh, uh, was going to uh, do several different things, and what I decided to do instead was, well, because my radio station had this quick meet and greet with a uh, a guy named Matt Mason. He's an Atlantic Records recording artist and has some songs that are really good. Started looking to him and really enjoyed it. And they wanted me to come by and do an interview with them in this meet and greet thing, and it was really uh, kind of thrown together at the last minute. And I thought, well, here we go. This is a perfect opportunity to get a full, uh, long interview segment for the tail end of the show. It's a little bit of a half-ass, I'll give you that. But um, that's going to be the second and final segment of the show. What I really wanted to do was to have Matt Mason from Atlantic Records and uh, thir- the 30th District Tennessee House uh, candidate from the Democratic Party, Joda Thongnong Nua, I wanted him to be, he's a friend of mine, I wanted to be on the show, we talked about it, we planned on doing something like live on location somewhere over the weekend, and I was going to really give him an opportunity to get out to you, my listeners, what he's all about in this uh, this local election, and then I went and got drunk. (laughs) I went and got drunk on Sunday, all day, Sunday evening, at a Halloween party of all places, and then uh, the Haunted Market at, at, uh, at the Chetting Market on Sunday. And then Joda had the debate on Monday, and um, and then Tuesday we couldn't come together, which is uh, recording night, deadline night. So maybe I will do a pop-up between now and Election Day, maybe on November 5th. I will do a uh, sit-down with Joda as we lead into that local election. Esther Helton from the GOP, Joda Thongnangnua from the Democratic Party. Oh, I'm sorry. Is it, yeah, his name is a little difficult to say. It ain't Smith. But he is from here, always has been, always will be, born and bred in the uh, the eastern portion of the county, which District 30 covers, and he's got a lot of good things that he would like to do. Now, will people who don't recognize somebody and can't say their last name vote for him? I don't know about that. I, uh, I would like to think that absolutely they would, but... I don't know that I'm necessarily that naive, naive, excuse me. That's why I would like to sit down with Yoda and talk to him because he's one of the sharpest guys I've ever met, and he gets my full endorsement and my full support for that District 30 Tennessee House seat that he is running for on November 6th. I was going to get into a, um, I was going to print off a sample ballot for where I am a registered and district to vote and tell you who I was going to vote for, but then I realized there was no reason to do that because if there was ever an election where i was going to do other than anything than hashtag blue wave then um, anybody thinking otherwise would be sorely mistaken there are times where i will i will look at and evaluate who the candidates are and decide what it means for me and for my community and for my my bottom line for my taxes locally here in the municipality of East Ridge, within the, uh, the county of Hamilton. But right now, where we're at, it's all blue, baby. Blue, baby, blue is all I'm doing, and it's only the ones that have a chance to win. I went over this last week. I won't do it again. 
a vote for anybody other than Phil Bredesen for the United States Senate from Tennessee is a vote for Marsha Trump. Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. I got tongue-tied. I meant Marsha Blackburn. Speaking of Trump, so the whole first portion of this show is just stuff I'm looking at from my phone that I've made notes to self over the last week. He will be here in town on the 4th. That's the two days before Election Day at the McKenzie Arena. And I had a friend or two reach out to me and say, do you want to go see what all this mess is about? Like, not trying to go down there and get in the middle of that rabble-rousing South Park rally. Like, but, but I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I do want to. Maybe I want to firsthand see what this phenomenon is all about. Because that's partially all it is. All Republicans that want conservative policy in their life, whether they're 75 or 45 or 35, they're all going to vote for Trump because they quote-unquote have to. All right? That's fine. I get it. I'm not overly all that mad. I understand. We're in a mess here. But people who actually adore this man, people who actually look at this and say, this is something I can get on board with, is a very interesting breed of people which we've always known were around, especially here in the rural South. Especially here in the rural South. And I, a lot of these people, I've said it over the years, or years, over the, uh, well, I guess it is almost two years now, at these rallies and these people that are like, you know, holding up signs. I wonder how, how many of them even know how to vote. I wonder how many of them even voted ever before two years ago. I wonder how many are actually registered to vote. That's just a thinking out loud kind of thing. I think maybe I do need to go get down in this and not not go cause trouble. That's not me. I don't do that. I don't fight people. I don't call people names. Oh, you blankety blank. I don't do that. I think, but I think I might get my America's already great hat on and just go walk around and stay silent. If some punk wants to start a fight with me, that's cool. I'll pull out my phone so I can document the idiocy that is going to be this mess down at the McKenzie Arena. But my greater question is, greater question is real quick that I just popped into my head over the last 24 hours. Why is Don Trump coming to Chattanooga, Tennessee? Why? Are they are they looking at some of their more vulnerable places in the uh, the red states, even in the deep south where they really want to try to push for their last minute, you know, wait red wave if you will? Is, is there a chance that the, the numbers and the trends are starting to, to show that maybe, just maybe, Chattanooga is finally the progressive city, not just within the city limits in the downtown and North Chattanooga areas and several others maybe on uh, some of the south side where we know there's plenty of, uh, there, there, there's plenty of progressive voting types there. But is there potentially now an evaluation of the entire county Hamilton County, which is one of the biggest, it's the biggest county in the 3rd Congressional District. Now, the 3rd Congressional di- District is safe. Uh, Danielle Mitchell, I, uh, uh, Dr. Danielle Mitchell, I like what she does, but she's not going to be Chuck Fleischman because there's just too much rural area there. But are they looking at this from the Senate race, Bredesen versus Blackburn? Are they, are they looking at this and realizing maybe for the first time in a while, this huge county is finally maybe going to go a different direction because of the destructive nature is a way that this man, Don Trump, who I never cared about before two years ago and never liked for 15 years leading up to it and will not pretend to like now? I don't know. Maybe. 
Why else would why else would they make this last second stop here? And then furthermore, let's get away from that and let's just go to a different angle here. Whose mind is being changed on November 4th? That when the president shows up at McKenzie Arena, that all of a sudden, oh, you know what? Damn it, I'm Brian Stone, the host of this podcast, the download destination for thousands in this area. And you know what? I went to this rally and I changed my damn mind. I realized that this is the way I need to be focusing my energy. I need to be, I need to be, I need to be on board with Team MAGA. The MAGA types, the CNN or losers types, the lock her up types. That's where I'm going now. What is what? what I, I I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> I don't. I guess I maybe I do. No, I don't. No, I don't. I just plain don't understand. So, but I think I am going to go down there. I think I am. I think I'm going to go down with a smirk on my face. I'm going to keep myself quiet, and I'm going to see what the landscape looks like. I want to see what Chattanooga looks like at a MAGA hooting and hollering, rabble rousing South Park type of environment. I think I am going to do it. I absolutely think that I am going to do it. One last thought on the way out here of the open segment, and then I'll get to the final segment and wrap this one up pretty quickly this week. The Halloween edition of the Weekly Dose, the Stone On Air podcast. As I've had this on my clipboard to look at since October 25th, so that was just last week, two middle school girls waited in a bathroom and planned to cut up their classmates, police say. This is from CNN, and the area of the world is, well, it's the United States. I don't see it right here now, but I'll get to that in a minute when I see it. So this, I guess, goes along with the guns don't kill people, people kill people thing, even though no one died here, but it was still, and it's less about that. I'm being a smartass there. It's just the, um, I don't know, I am so concerned with the mental makeup of young people and the way social media and uh, video games and movies and television is destroying minds. Call me old man if you would like. Two girls at a middle school, there it is, Central Florida, were waiting in a bathroom, planning to overpower at least 15 smaller students, kill them with knives, and drank their blood. Authorities said this was last Wednesday, one week ago right now. The Bartow Middle School students were arrested Tuesday in charge of conspiracy to commit murder, possession of a weapon on school property, carrying a concealed weapon, and disruption of, a, of school function, Bartow Police Chief Joe Hall said during a news conference. According to the officials, the 11 and 12, 11 and 12 year old girls said that they were Satan worshipers and were going to drink the blood and eat the flesh of the students they killed. The students then planned to kill themselves afterwards, they said. It goes on for a page or two. I'm only going to read about uh, a paragraph and a half more. The 11-year-old spent the weekend at the 12-year-old's home. And on Sunday, after a day of watching horror films, quote, they devised a plot to kill several students at the middle school, according to a police report. Last sentence, last two and a half sentences, I should say. Using knives tucked under their clothes, they planned, their plan, excuse me, was to stab their victims and cut their throats, police say. The preteens conducted internet searches on how to kill someone with a knife and what type of wound would cause their victims to, quote, bleed out the fastest, 
the report says. Why am I bringing that up? It's just some random wacky story from Florida that has nothing to do with uh, us here in Tennessee. Why would I bring that up? Well, first of all, it's Halloween and ooh, ghosts and goblins and scariness, right? I I just I am terrified of uh, of of the slasher films, of scary movies, even overly high drama can sometimes get my blood pressure up a little too high, but what I'm even more terrified and scared of is young children having access to these things. And um, call me an old fuddy-duddy loser old guy, but I think that that kind of stuff is really, really uh, dangerous and important to keep a close eye on. I have talked about over the years, especially if they're over the old talk radio station, that the most highest-selling video game in the history of the world of video games is a game about killing and robbing and terrorizing and raping people. Yes, that is Grand Theft Auto. Many of these other games, uh, shoot them, kill them, terrorize them, are, if not the top-selling, within the top five or top ten-selling video games. The most uh, highest-grossing movies uh, at times, especially during seasons like Halloween, are scary slasher films. Um, Right now, I see the commercials for The Purge, which I've had this on my little like kind of get-to-eventually list on the podcast that's on USA now. That's a 10-part series that was the, a movie a couple years ago. It's about one day a year. Murder is legal and all other crime as well. And the thrill that people get with spending one day a year annihilating, killing, and ending, ending people's lives. And it comes on, I think, at around... 9 or at no later than 10 o'clock at night. The Walking Dead comes on every Sunday at 9 p.m. Luckily, I don't watch that disgusting, stupid show anymore. And at least that one has a, a, a bit of fantasy to it. I guess it all got a bit of fantasy to it. But when we all know, and I guess we can somewhat agree, that the living dead isn't such a thing, but it's still a slash their brain, slash and gash kind of show. And this is not stuff that's difficult to get your hands on. And with the um, the parodies and the wannabes and the countless tube sites and blogs and message boards and social medias that can take you down rabbit holes to watch all kinds of disgusting, just simply psychotic and sociopathic uh, behavior and it oftentimes rewarding it and even worse glorifying it terrifies me because young impressionable minds are being melted down and destroyed because of the uh, the toxicity that is the entertainment that they have at their fingertips and uh, I know I sound I'm old guy sorry <laughs> sorry. I'm old guy. Real quick here as I wrap up this first segment and get to my uh, guest, Matt Mason from Atlantic Records. There was a small portion of my life. I don't remember how long it was. A couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months. I don't know. I watched Natural Born Killers. And I still love that movie to this day. I think it's one of the greatest pieces of cinematography that I've ever seen. But... There was a little bit after watching that because of my young, impressionable, and idiotically undeveloped mind where I fantasized about how much fun it would be if the girl down the street and me decided to go on a killing spree 
and become glorified because of it. Now, luckily, my brain was put together well enough to realize that, that was just something I fantasized for a few minutes about. The mentally ill, the young women, young men that become mentally ill at a very young age sometimes cannot see the difference in these two things. Now, while we're into Halloween and it's the day of All Hallows' Eve, I get that this is this is fun. These are jokes. These are uh, ways to be shocking amongst people who understand you and a, and a way to have fun with your children and people of all ages. I'm being a jerk when I make a joke about it. I'm not joking about the concerns I have for the sociopathic and psychotic nature of people who are, who are uh, exposed to too many uh, really influential kinds of, uh, of, of mediums out there. I am joking when I say if you like Halloween, you're a loser or you're boring or you're, you know, what I, I am playing with that. But do keep in mind as things go along with every other day other than the day itself, October 31st, that a lot of the stuff that comes along with all that can be very dangerous to young minds. And at that note, I will step away. This is the Stone on Air podcast for the 31st of October, Halloween. Y'all enjoy yourself out there. Coming up next, Atlantic recording artist Matt Mason joins me for the second half of the show. They'll make you kill. Stone on air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. Lover, come over. Look what I've done. I've been alone so long, I feel like I'm on the run. Lover, come over. Welcome back into the podcast, the Stone on Air podcast, as a matter of fact, for Halloween, the 31st of October. Where the hell has this year gone? Also on the radio at Alt 987. Appreciate you guys and gals finding the most listened to podcast in the sea. I didn't know that, you know, if Matt Mason came in today and he knew he was going to be on a radio station, but did you know you were going to be on the most listened to podcast in the city? I did not. So at least a couple dozen. Dude, pressure's on. At man. least a couple dozen. <laughs> Atlantic recording artist Matt Mason is uh, is here with me, and and Matt, I'm uh, I'm a, a rock and roll guy, alternative rock and roll guy, more of a grunger from the '90s. Mm-hmm. And I started to work here about a year ago, and I started stumbling onto names because of the the nature of of uh, alternative indie rock, for lack of a better way of putting it. It's a little right. bit more mainstream when I when I say indie, I don't mean that exactly as pure independent. Stumbled a lot of names, and, and yours has been one of them. I've enjoyed what uh, what you've been putting out, but I, I I I make a joke that I my fictitious 
band naming consultant firm or my fictitious song naming, album naming, like if the Butthole Surfers would never be a band if they came uh-huh. to me first. I love the album name just on the surface, Who Killed Matt Mason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know there's a little more to it than just that name, but I thought immediately, I was like, that's a good album name. Yeah. Or EP, I guess I should say, I right? Mean, I like to think of myself as like a bit of a, a marketer. So like I came up with that idea. I was still like working a desk job at the time. Yeah. And uh, I was like, Who Killed Matt Mason? Like the album, the, re- the title basically means like transitioning from like a kid to an adult yeah and, and which i want to talk about a little bit that here in in uh, just a minute so but you've been we'll go fast forward and then go backwards you've been um p- pushing to do this professionally for it looks like what two or three years oh no man like well i meant i meant when you're actually getting out there. i mean i know you've been your musician since you were two years old sorry i might have worried yeah that i mean i've been i'd say i've been like going for it for more like six years oh wow okay yep um but I kind of took a break for a while. I got in a little bit of trouble and had to like get my life right, which is where a lot of the songs from Who Killed yeah. Mason came from. Yeah. Um, so I got signed about two years ago. Maybe that's why I was looking at it on the numbers. I saw 15, 16, and 17 where you were starting to play a lot more, releasing EPs, releasing uh, professionally yeah. recorded music. Um, I wanted to read just a little bit of this from your bio on your website. Because it reads fascinating to me. It reads, at first I was like, I don't, I can't tell what of this is true and what isn't true uh-huh. until I looked more more into it and realized it, it's all true. It's just, it's written like a foreword of your autobiography from Oliver Stone or, yeah, or, yeah, or, yeah. or Quentin Tarantino or yeah, something. Yeah. Like, you're getting, you know, a real story, but it's, it's so uh, put together it, I, I was having trouble figuring out where the fiction and the nonfiction was. I just right. want to read a little bit of it, and if you guys can go to it. It's mattmason.com, yep. I'm guessing. M-A-E-S-O-N. M-A-E-S-O-N. Who killed Matt Mason? Maybe the devil who haunted his parents, two reformed teenage outlaws who played in religious heavy metal bands, more than that in a minute, and wouldn't let him listen to rock on the radio. Or maybe it was the volatile spirit that brought Matt to prison for the first 300 times. He played shows with his mom and dad, proprietors of the prison ministry since he was young. The family lived on the Chesapeake Bay in Virginia and worked wherever the faithful wouldn't feel like they belonged. They drove south to Florida to west to Montana, rumbling through maximum security lockups and with fire and benediction, drums and guitars. Matt spent years on the road to prisons and biker rallies. He played songs about salvation in front of strippers and Hell Ange- Hell's Angels at Sturges, one of the biggest motorcycle rallies in the world, so you kind of see where I'm coming from. The yeah, yeah. Out there I've never heard someone read that to me before. It's, it's not intense. exactly like, "Hey, here's who I am. Here's what I do." Yeah. Um, but and if, upon further review, uh, a lot of that, most of that, is all very true. Just worded in a very uh, uh, interesting way to read. Tell me about your your teenage outlaw, former reformed teenage outlaw parents, and and how you traveling with them and doing how all that became a th- a thing in your life. Um, well, yeah, my parents um, were like criminals growing up, and then uh, my dad eventually uh, started to turn his life around and really like go after God and started, um, you know, just working in churches and things like that. And then ended up becoming a cop and worked for cops that had previously arrested him. Really? Um, yep. And then uh, moved to West Virginia, where they were youth pastors, and my uncle, my dad's brother who was also getting in a lot of trouble, ended up finally turning his life around, moving there, and really wanted to reach people that the church wouldn't reach. You know? And so when these reforms were happening in their lives, were you born yet, or were you just a very infant? I was like, they moved to West Virginia, we moved to West Virginia, and I was like 
two when we moved there. Okay. By the time we left, I was like seven. Gotcha. Um, but while we were there, uh, my uncle ended up, he was, you know, would always hang out with like the crackheads and people like that, have him in his house, things like that. And one dude ended up going crazy one day and murdering him. And so that was wow. like pretty heavy on, on our whole family. But that's what really sparked my dad to really like go after people like that. Sure. Um, because those are the people that really need, you know, a light in their life. Uh, and so that's, he started the prison ministry when I was about 17. Um, and I joined them for a bit and then started getting in trouble myself, got arrested a few times and then realized, all right, I need to. Like, well, I, I was going to go there very next. Um, I won't read this quite as verbatim, but this, uh, you were playing with your parents and you were starting to get into drugs and getting in and out of trouble and back into drugs again. Is, is that, is that one of those kinds of preacher's daughters kind of thing is that is that you know what i mean is that like one of those hey i'm told i can't do these things so now i'm gonna double down and do it even more or somewhat yeah somewhat yeah it's definitely there's definitely a cliche in there somewhere but um i don't know i just hated the idea i'm like my dad like my dad's the same way i hate uh people telling me i can't do something and not really giving me a reason why and so i was just like you know what when i turned 18 i moved out and it's just like i'm gonna like do whatever i want and i was pretty like mentally like lost at the time sure too. And well I was as to most find... of us are at 18 years old yeah, um yeah. and I, I think that's probably a I, I, that's not a too uncommon thing from some of the circles that i might have run through in my life i was a, the same way without this the, the the upbringing meaning as far as religious parents who were doing those kinds of ministries basically is what they were mm-hmm. um but yeah 18 get me the hell out of here man yeah i'm gone. i moved out the Screw day this I shit. i'm out of here you yeah. know Matt Mason, my guest on Alt 98.7 and on the Stone on Air podcast, the weekly dose for Halloween, October 31st. So this is uh, more from your bio, and this is where I got the last couple of years, because as you first started putting songs on like SoundCloud, that's where my, my stuff is hosted, in, mm-hmm. in 15 and 16, um, from your bio, it says he sings like the... Excuse me. He sings like the dead singer-songwriters, full of troubled and tinsel grace. His sound is spare and rich and restless. And I haven't sampled all your music, but I have given a lot of it a few spins. And there's some an emotion. There's emotional depth there, mm-hmm. to be sure. When you're, I mean, I've read some of the stories about the Wendy's on the yeah, on yeah. the um, the roofs writing one of your songs when you right. had nowhere else to stay one night and all that. Are you the type that can just hey, it's time to write some songs? They do it, or do you have to kind of live it? Before it to start to turn into something, you know what I mean? Like a professional songwriter, I'm not saying whether you are or not. I mean, if you're professional making money, you're professional. But some of those, I've talked to a lot of guys out of Nashville. It's like, hey, you got to write five songs a day, you know. Yeah. And there's not a lot of depth there. Yeah, there's I mean, like, yeah, that's the there. difference. You know, I can do that. I can sit down you and can just write that. a simple song, but um, that's what it lacks. Is it lacks a lot of depth and emotion? I think music has like such a heavy influence on people's lives, and I'm like, why if if you can do it, why not really like put your heart into it? So sure. I typically have to live it, yeah, before I write about it. And I think writing as honestly as I can gives me the ability to sing it as honestly as I can. Just to further on that point, when you when you release a song, whether it's SoundCloud simply in your bedroom or through Atlantic Records, which you're now signed to, what do you want the 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 listener to think what do you want them to feel like do you want them to feel like you felt or do you want it to be or, or admit their own interpretations do you think about that and, and if you do how do you feel about that yeah i mean i think the reason i listen to music is i want to feel like understood i want to hear something that is like damn yeah that like really resonates with me and that's what 
exactly what I want my music to do to people. I kind of, I think understood is, is the goal of my music is I want people to listen to it and feel like they're not alone where they're at. When you put music together, do you, do you come up with, uh, I ask this almost everybody I ever listen to or talk to, do lyrics and riffs and, and direction of the song come together at once? Or do you layer that together? Or is it different? Sometimes. Depending? Well, I write all my songs on just an acoustic. Um, so like a lot of those little like acoustic riffs you hear like at the beginning of my songs, sure. those are always like written with the song. And then when we go into like fully produce, we obviously sit there with it and work on it for an entire day and throw in different riffs and different instrumentation. Uh, I should, probably should ask you this right out the front. What are you uh, What are you doing right now? Just a promotional tour, running around, dropping in places? Yeah, man. We did three weeks. Uh, then we had a week off, and now we're back at it as of yesterday. It looks like uh, 18's been a pretty busy year for you. Oh, uh, yeah. Lollapalooza, Forecastle, Sloss music festival just some yeah. su- southern festivals that people would recognize and then of course bonnaroo and anybody who knows me for five seconds knows that's that's my place yeah that's my baby that's where i spend uh four or five days every single june mm-hmm. um is that the first time you had been there in any capacity or yeah first time being there playing it what what are your thoughts on that overall uh scene were you there long enough to even really understand what you were looking at yeah, we were there for like a full day because we had to load in pretty early, and I did a set at noon for like, like this tent company. Gotcha. Uh, it was like a little hangout thing. Um, it was cool, man. It's f- huge, dude. It's uh, I mean, it's I'm I don't go to festivals around the country, around the region like I used to, um, but it's the it's it's like an, another world. Yeah, dude, were you there when Eminem? The gunshot. Oh thing. yes, yes, Dude, yes, yes. I was yes. in the artist lounge, and it scared the shit out of I'm me. I'm glad you brought that up because there was a lot of debate at that time of whether that was appropriate mm-hmm. or not, and um, and people who were big Eminem fans said, "Well, that's he does these kinds of things all the time." Um, it scared the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so you were in the artist lounge, so you were a little we behind like, to the left yeah. or to the right if you're facing the stage, mm-hmm. and and I was out directly in front in a very good spot up front but but had the full force so it wasn't you weren't getting the 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 sound as direct as i was yeah and it still made you jump out of your shoes oh a little my bit, god huh? dude everybody in the art section was like what the hell was that dude? wow wow well, so if anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about uh so eminem set was it I, was it one of those gunshots or one later on too i think three, there was three was three in a row and it was like hyper realistic so, gunshot uh, yes noises. yes and and, and that, that stage the what stage sorry to go off on a tangent on bonner all of a sudden but uh, i'll do it anytime someone gives me the opportunity <laughs> Um, that stage is just, it's one of the best sounding stages yeah, you're ever going to be sound on. Is like it's incredible. incredible. It's so loud, but not, not too loud. It's great. And I'm not big into Eminem, but I thought it was great. I was having a fun ass night. I didn't see him when he was here in 09, 06, whatever year it was. And so I'm just kind of caught up in this just almost epileptic seizure type, yeah. <laughs> like laser show. And all of a sudden, I mean, that's not even giving it any, like a, basically a gunshot sound, mm-hmm. I guess. And, and so three other times, and it scares some people, but yeah. yeah. I don't know. Was it appropriate? I'm not sure, but it was, I, a hell of a, it was a hell of a weekend, I can tell you that. Yeah, dude. I was like, after the fact, I was just like, well, you probably should have thought about that <laughs> a little bit. Especially just yeah. with some of the things. And, and no further commentary or greater point yeah. than other that. It scared some of it's, us. Yeah, dude. And it, I'm not I scared easily. Yeah. I'm not scared easily. 
Matt Mason with me. So I, I saw this uh, the, uh, earlier. You were talking to somebody. I don't remember which. It might have been Vivo or something. Uh, your Slim Jims and Crackers has been oh, the yeah. uh, the regular for your uh, your tour. And now that you're on board with Atlantic Records, is that per diem going to go up a little bit? Are you going to be able to actually spend a few bucks on some meals? Are you going to be able to have a couple of comfortable beds to sleep in? Yeah, we've we've upgraded to Taco Bell. <laughs> okay, good. I saw your Taco Bell order as well. Uh, 2019, tell me about it. Record and, uh, and tour, right? Yeah, first quarter, the album should be out. That's what we're going for. And then uh, headline tour in April. And, and we're talking about a full length this go around on the, on the record, right? Yep, full length, first debut record. I'm pumped to finally get it out. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, you agreed to play uh, with me here again one more time, and then I'll get you out of here. I know you've probably got some Taco Bell or something that you got to eat somewhere yeah, and, we'll and a back of a van to sleep some, in or something. Yeah, I got a Taco Bell to be at. Man. All right. this is uh, We're going to play Cringe, right? Yeah. This is from that record I was talking about on the front end, uh, Who Killed Matt Mason. And this is Alt 98.7 Radio, the Stone On Air podcast, the weekly dose for Halloween or whenever it is you decide to download your midweek download destination. Matt Mason, live. Lover come over Look what I done I've been alone so long I feel like I'm on the run Lover come over And kick up the dust Secret Starting to rush She said I'm looking like a bad man Smooth grammar She said my spirit doesn't move Like it did before She said that I don't look like me No more, no more I said I'm just tired She said you're just tired I said I saw you Intoxicated feelings comfortably mixed. Love will come hold me. Could you forget? I got a secret. Digging a debt. She said, I'm looking like a bad man. Smooth grabbing, no. She said, My spirit doesn't move like it did before. She said, That I don't look like me. No more. I said I'm just tired. She said you're just tired. I said I saw you. Sweating all your sins out, putting all your thoughts back together. Oh, we just don't blend now. All of my attempts seem to weather. Oh, I make you. Cringe now, don't I make you cringe? Oh, I make you cringe now, don't I make you cringe? She said, I'm looking like a bad man, smooth criminal. She said, My spirit doesn't move like it did before. She said, that I don't look like me no more, no more. I said, I'm just tired. She said, you're just tired. I said, I saw you in the water.
Matt Mason live on the Stone on Air podcast and on Alt 98.7 Radio. Matt, dude, super cool for you to come hang out Thanks for and play me, for a handful that came in from the radio station and uh, just chit-chat, man. It's always a good time. Sometimes, because coming from all these years of learning how to do talk radio, I I accidentally talk more than I should. Like I, it, it, you never know who you're going to be talking to, right? You never know if your guest is going to be interested in being there. You never know if your guest um, is an engaging personality. Just because somebody can sing and and perform doesn't mean that they can sit there and chit chat with you for any length of time. I got every indication that Matt Mason probably could have stretched out even further on a lot of the topics that we I was potentially going to get into, but because I kind of dominate the um, the room in some cases, because if you get in one of those settings where somebody can't carry on a real engaging conversation or even worse, doesn't want to, or you get somebody who just is soft-spoken or, um, or is just in a hurry to get the hell out of there. You never are too sure. And so the, the talk radio host mind is keep the train rolling. Keep it rolling. Don't let this thing start to fade off and fall off and start to bore people. Do whatever you can to keep driving this train and keep it going. And sometimes when you do that... You you dominate the room, you dominate the conversation, and sometimes if you're really good at it, maybe that's good for the conversation. The problem is, is I'm not all that good at it. I think I might have actually done that on this interview with Matt Mason, and I feel I don't I mean I don't feel terrible about it. When it was thrown together really quickly over at the radio station, they asked me if I could come over and do it. I cut out of work for an hour, ran in real quick with some notes. Um, had to figure out what the logistics were of this whole thing as I'm only at the radio station for a couple hours tops every day. And we sat down and talked real quick. He played a song and I left. I thought it was fun. I enjoyed it. But I actually think that I might have could have got more out of him if I had the opportunity to, uh, I don't know, be more familiar with what I was getting myself into. But uh, thank you, Atlanta Records. And thank you, Matt Mason, for being in studio because it really is an interesting story and it really is good music. Absolutely. I wouldn't have put it on the show if I didn't think so. And I certainly wouldn't want to talk about the story and go into it for, you know, 20 minutes or so if I didn't think it was worth doing. So that's all I got. Two quick segments. This go-around might do a pop-up between now and the end of the weekend, maybe for Monday. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. We'll see. I'd like to get my friend uh, Joda Thongnang Nua, the 30th District Tennessee House candidate for the Democratic Party in before Tuesday of next week, but I'm not sure that it's going to take place. We'll see. He's busy, clearly. He's a candidate for election that's up in less than a week, and uh, I'm not all that busy. I'm just drunk half the time, <laughs> I guess. is really just the way to be uh, completely honest about it. So um, y'all take care. Appreciate you so much. Happy Halloween. I know I'm a hater. I'm I'm a jerk about it. I'm sorry. A very, very pretty girl who is a little bit more than just a friend that's a girl. Her birthday is today. I don't know if she's listening today or not, but if you are, you are absolutely gorgeous, and I wish you a very, very happy birthday, and she loves Halloween, so happy Halloween as well, and to the rest of everybody out there. Y'all take care. We'll do it again for sure in the first Wednesday of November, maybe even the first Monday of November. Y'all take care. Bye.